This is Match Week. You are joined by myself, Artie Amini. We discuss everything soccer from the highs and the lows in the sporting week to the news that is relevant to you. This is match week. Guys, yes, we're virtual. I'm not going to lie to you. We had an in-person shoot ready to go to release, but sadly the audio audio did not want to work. Right? It, was, it, was, it was frustrating to say the least. All right? but, but while we're doing this, we do have to give a shout out to Barty's Bar and Grill because uh, uh, for, for the next couple of weeks, we will be filming out of there. So you're going to see the den, as I call it, and everything. And we're, uh, you're going to see the whole nine yards. Uh, it's a really nice place we've been recording at, letting us use a green room. We're going to give a big shout-out to them. Um, and then I'm joined by, hey, a reoccurring guest. Guys, two weeks in a row, a reoccurring guest. Crazy, right? Marty, how's it going, everybody? Thanks for having me back, but you already know, sometimes you just got to bring back the... Uh... The familiar faces, get everybody acquainted with it. I like seeing a little familiarity. Um, I don't know about the rest of the people, but that's just me, man. And Artie, you've been doing a fantastic job with this podcast, my brother. Keep it up. Loving the content. Thank you, man. Thank you. The thing is, I wanted to bring you back because you and you and Besmere, you guys had the shortest and um, the no uh, camera episodes. Like There was no like visuals, so I wanted to bring you guys back at least another time with uh, with a camera and better visuals and see what's going on yeah for sure man uh would have loved to have uh hope i would have loved for that barty's uh bar and grill shoot to work out but you know we got to uh prevail and make do with what we got i'm just happy to be here man exactly exactly that's why guys don't worry next time around for the next few episodes i have it literally like locked and loaded like there's gonna be no mistakes it's gonna be phenomenal you guys are gonna love it no worries so anyways Back to the show. Maz, what are we talking about today? You want to give the audience a little scoop? A little, little scoop? Uh, if, I, mean, I think we're... They, they've, already, they've already seen the like, thumbnail and the title. Like, oh my god, for sure. this thing. You know, like, we're on the table real quick on the yeah. Premier League. Just, you know, giving the takes and figuring out what's going to happen at the end of this season, man. Moving forward, we're about midway through. With some delays as well going on for some teams for games and stuff, because there's a few teams that are their game behind, two games behind. The uh, Tonham's like three games behind, so we just want to give our little predictions. That's why, but also just to make sure, like for example, if we're talking about Leeds, and then we're also talking about a Burnley, we know that Leeds has three games ahead on Burnley, so we're just giving our little predictions, see what's going to go on for the second half of the season, because we know. Nine times out of ten, who's ever first place at Christmas is wins the league, unless you're Liverpool and you somehow choke it sometimes. But it is what it is. They're more dominant now. So we'll see what happens. You you just had to hit that shot, didn't you? No, but I had – no, because historically, <laughs> actually, if you look, I mean, that's – You're right. Nine times out of ten, when you're first place at Christmas, you win the league. But except Liverpool, they've choked it twice, but then they've won it the third time around. So it's fine. I mean, Liverpool – they got a dog in Mo Salah right now, so it's it's gonna be an interesting stretch. I still think City pulls it off, but 
Muhammad Salah is playing at another level. We'll get to that in a bit. For sure. But, but you know, we, we got to go We gotta go to, you know, a, a very important team right now, Matt. They're very, very important. We got to talk about Norwich City. <laughs> I knew you were going there. Norwich City is an absolute dumpster fire, my man. Well, okay, here's the thing, right? So they had Daniel Falk, who's a really good – he was a good manager, in my opinion. He left, and now they brought in Dean Smith from Villa because Villa kicked him out. And Dean Smith's not a bad manager. It's just working with this team right now because if we look at Norwich – and we look at their squad. They have some injuries. Uh, they have a lot of youth talent in there. Because um, I know they have players like... Um, they have players like uh, Brandon Williams. That's what I was thinking. Brandon Williams is from United. It's on loan. Uh, you also have Billy Gilmore, who's on loan from Chelsea as well, who's a really good player. But if we're going to talk about injuries, um, you have two of the defenders, Grant Hanley and then Christoph Zimmerman injured, which is tough. And then for their midfield, they have uh, Lucas Rupp, who's looked decent when he's played, not bad. Um, but then also Mat- Matthias Norman, who's been the focal point at the center defensive mid spot, helping them out the best he could, injured, which is really tough. And then a new transfer, uh, Lees Malou, who's injured, which is really tough as well. And then in injury, also up front, they're lo- they're missing out on Joshua Sargent, the American man, bro, who's gotten a couple of goals for them, doing well, and he's out and injured. And also Rashika, the Albanian. What's up? How you doing? Um, okay, he's 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 from Kosovo, but he's Albanian. Come on. Um, so what? Yeah, what do we think, Maz? You know, with injuries, they're playing a little bit of out of form, a lot of bit out of form, right? They have been looking too good. I mean, dude, I, like I said, they're dumpster fire right now, and I don't know if it's just because of injuries. It's we're seven. They're seventeen matches in. You know, they've only won two. It's been really rough, and and the fact that they're even tied with Newcastle just goes to show you right now um, just how bad both these teams are doing. Norwich in particular, I mean, their form is not great. At the last five, they got two draws, three losses. I really don't see them turning it around. You know, I, I expect them by the end of the season to be one of those teams going down in the relegation. And unlike Newcastle, which we'll get to, they're in a much worse spot. Obviously, they're plagued with the injuries. But even with them fully healthy, I think they're still fighting just to stay alive. They're just barely scraping by. They need to do a complete overhaul and just get a new strategy moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Because Dean Smith, like he's only been in charge for a few games now, nothing crazy. But he still has to like bet in that team, get used to it, see how it goes. And then um, like the thing is, is that they've they only had two wins. They've had four draws and eleven losses, and the big thing for them is that they don't have as many draws as some of these other teams have. So that's why I like a lot of them, even though they don't have as much wins, they still are up there ahead of a lot of teams, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, I mean, the goal differential is just abysmal. They're at minus 26 yeah, right they're, now. They're, they're the one of the worst defensive teams in the league right now by far. That's that Ole defense, man. Everybody and their mother is just running in on them. Ah, I didn't say that again. All right. Um, Norwich, um, what do we think? Or, or do we think they're going to be relegated? Or do you think we, they somehow scrape it out? Uh, for me, I, I think they're definitely going to be in the relegation. I mean, you're looking at the bottom three right now, Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich, and Watford sitting right above them. Obviously, we'll get to those other three teams in a second. But for me, I could see Burnley getting out of that rele- relegation um, zone. But I, I think Newcastle and Norwich are 100% locks to be going down. I respect that, I respect that. But Newcastle, let's go back to Newcastle now. We're going to move on to them. They 
okay, look, they only have one win. They're, they have they have one less win than, than uh, Norwich City, right? But the thing is, they have seven draws. So that's where you get seven points out of that, boom, golden, right? So, and then the team has looked rancid, right? But they finally got out uh, Steve Bruce. They brought in, uh, what am I blanking? Eddie Howe. There we go. We just talked about them in the last episode. And uh, the team has... The team has been been struggling to say the least. I I also think that the the squad is not Premier League quality whatsoever, realistically. Because I'm just gonna re- read it off for you guys right now. Because nine times out of ten, was their starting lineup looking like? I want to pull it up here for the audience. So against Liverpool, right? If you're gonna play against Liverpool, you want to play your best starting eleven. So against Liverpool, they played Dubrovka, who's decent, Makio, who's decent, Shar finally made made it back onto the team. I don't know why it took so long. Lascelles is not a Premier League player. Lewis is not a Premier League player. Uh, Frazier is a shadow of himself. Hayden shouldn't be playing in the Prem. Shelby, even though he got a goal, like whoop de doo, he got one goal. He's been trash all season. Murphy is meh, and then Jolington, they overpaid. He's been really struggling for Newcastle because he's been played like out of position, not like how he should be. And then you also have Saint Maximin, who is a great player, but who is like has too big of a head on his shoulders because he knows he's the best player at the club. Absolutely, and as you just said, like out of everybody you just named, they might be keeping that last guy. <laughs> you know, they're 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 revamping the whole team. They're gonna go down, get relegated. But we know that they just got the new owners instantly are going from one of the poorest teams to the richest team in the entire Premier League in terms of ownership. They're going to be pumping in money like crazy. So I think for them, this season is just kind of, you know, they know they're going down. They're already refueling everything for the next season. The new ownership, they're going to be funneling as much as they can. For them, I'd have to say wait till you see what happens after the January window because the thing is they still have players like Callum Wilson and Joseph Willick. Willick they spent like thirty five million on. Like that was the only player they bought in the summer window. Like they were only given thirty five million to spend, and they spent it all on Joseph Willick. As that's what Steve Bruce said. And then Callum Wilson has is their top goal scorer, if I'm not mistaken. Like he has been playing like out of his skin. Like we we all knew he was good for when he played for um what's it called uh Bournemouth in the Prem but yeah he has six goals to his name. I mean in that's team, qual- in a team that this, that's this rancid right now while also being injured he has six goals. Yeah, I mean that's really impressive. Providing like the back lines have been messy. I mean we talked about like Norwich playing like the Ole defense. They're not much farther behind with that minus twenty three goal differential. Like here's the thing: like Norwich, I feel bad for their defense because they try to be an expansive defense, right? They don't try to be crazy, like play the ball out of the back and do all this like crazy stuff. It's just they try to defend well, they try to move the ball wide, and they try to not concede. But they're losing against tough opposition. It's not like they're going up against. Uh, it's not like they go up against like Everton right now and who have been playing poor these past like five or six games and they're just letting them concede goals easily, right? It's like they're trying their best to defend. This team looks decent, but they just blow it. Whereas Newcastle, the defense looks atrocious. Like it doesn't seem like there's any defensive like standard. It doesn't seem like they're set anything up. Like there's no like, hey, make sure we're covering the middle because of this X, Y, and Z player. Like, hey, they usually like to play wide and cross it in, so let's try to cover the wingers. Keep them where they are and make sure they can't cross it to anybody, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I I think Newcastle is just at a point where they're just planning for the future. At least they have a plan for the future. Norwich, 
definitely got to go back to the drawing board and get a lot more creative. Where Newcastle is just like, hey, no matter what happens this season, we're rearranging the entire thing. Probably the entire top to bottom rebuild we're talking. And they're going to be drawing some bigger names. So it's I'm just more excited to see what they're going to do in the future. Because they're going to be joining the top dogs. Uh, the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, and the City's coming up very soon. Because they're just going to open up the floodgates and pour all the green right into it. Because I think, most importantly for me, like when you try to revamp your fixed club, right, you have to look at everything from the top down, not just the team on the field. So when Mike Ashley was the owner for Newcastle, uh, it was abysmal. Completely ran it to the ground, like nothing was taken care of. He wasn't even getting money for certain sponsorships. Like the, the original stadium that they played at, they changed the name to Sports Director Arena. Because, like, he was friends with the owner of Sports Direct, and they even pay him to put the name up. So it's like, they missed out so much money over these years. The team has been taken care of. Facilities have been taken care of. So, so I, in my opinion, if Newcastle starts from the bottom up, fixes everything up, they're setting themselves for a success in the future with also bringing in better players as well. For sure, and I think getting relegated actually is kind of better for them because it you just hit like the nail right on the head. They can start focusing on that younger talent. It's going to be a lot harder to get bigger names there when you're playing in that uh, that championship second division. It's not the Premier League, you know. It, I would like to see them get out of the relegation zone and just start the rebuild right from the beginning. But as a long-term view, I think getting relegated is the best thing to happen with them because then they can really focus in on them young players, get a nice foundation. And then once they get back up to the league, as we sh- we're sure that they will within a season or two, that's when they're going to start hooking all the big fish and yeah. just complete rebuild might be complete. With it. it might be the shortest rebuild we've ever seen. That That's why I said let's wait to see what happens in January, right? Let's see, like, are they going to – because if they spend big in January, that means that they have intentions of staying up, right? But mm-hmm. if, if they go for players where it's like quick replacements here and there, they're trying to build something up, then we know what the situation is, right? They're just going to want to play to their best, have everyone adjust, and then they probably are just going to want to tear it up in the championship. Absolutely. And I think that's just like where they're at right now. So we're, it all depended on where they're going to go. Either way, they're going to be in a decent position moving forward. For sure. Speaking of moving forward... We have Burnley. Now, Burnley here, we said it before. They are only on. They only have 15 games played. So, realistically, it's a bit unfair for them to be in this spot. Granted, they've only won one game as well, but they've drawn eight. I think they're tied with a few other. I think they're tied with Southampton, Brighton, Crystal Palace, and, yeah, that's it. Those teams, they're tied with for most draws in the league right now. And, hey, how you get the points, I get the points. Eight points, right? It's putting them up. Uh, but the thing is, is that we just have to see what's going to happen in those next three games. I don't want to be too unfair. But granted, Sean Dyche, he, he's, he keeps playing the same exact style and thinks that it's going to fix, like, fix his issues. Always deep block Brexit football, as everyone calls it, where it's just stay back, all English guys, not doing anything else, but just defend, defend, defend. Sure, and you see that like they're putting up like the wall. I mean, they are in the relegation spot, but they've only played 15 games, or everybody else has basically played 17 to 18 games uh, with a couple of 16 there. So they're games behind, but if you look at their goal differential, they're still doing better than Watford, Leeds, Southampton, uh, Everton, all above them. 
they're playing good defense, and they've been in decent form least recently. They got four draws and one loss in their last five. It's they're not gonna do anything exciting. They're going to play that wall, just park in the bus and see what we can do on the counter once we get like those couple of opportunities. But I, I just think that they're going to get out of the relegation zone just because of the defense that they're playing. It's not going to be anything exciting, but they're just going to do whatever they can not to get relegated. Because that's, that's what Sean Dyche is, right? Like, Sean Dyche, all he just does is just, like, hey, uh, defend, defend, defend. Like, that's all he knows. That's all he does. Like, there's not really that much of an attacking place in that team because what he does is he just basically sets up his team where everyone defends. They play a long ball to the striker. Whether it's like someone like Vidra or um, Ashley Barnes, maybe even like a Jay Rodriguez, Chris Wood, but Aaron Lennon, like those guys, usually they just have have him like bomb the ball up. Or it's a Dwight McNeil who's been like the small shining light of that team, someone who's been like the more creative uh, player trying to play their best. But the one thing I am worried about for Burnley is that Ashley Barnes is out. I don't know what he's injured. Late December, so he's supposed to be back. Either like this, like December like twenty ninth, or he's gonna be back New Year because he's been out since November eighteenth. He suffered a muscle injury, so I think it, it all depends where it goes from there. So we just have to see. For sure, I mean, and their next couple of games coming up, I we know they got to play United. Their next game, um, that's supposed to be on December thirtieth. Hopefully, the game takes place. We know COVID's running vampire right now, but then after that, Leeds, I, I think they 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 will definitely. Yeah, they should get the win over Leeds, in my opinion. Man United, if they could just get the draw, that's a dub for them. Moving forward, they're looking pretty decent. I mean, they're getting into some tougher competition. You know, Arsenal and Leicester after that, and then back to Man United and Liverpool. If they could just pull off the, the draws like they've been, it's exactly what they want. And that's all they're going for. Yep, for sure, totally. I, I, I hear you on that one. I mean, speaking of the next team above, right, we have Watford. Now, Watford's exciting because Claudio Ranieri's back in the Premier League. And it's not with a Fulham this time or a Leicester. He's with Wofford. And Wofford is an exciting team. And they have the cycling GK, Ben Foster. Let's go. Come on. Ben Foster. Up the Foscast. Let's go. But, yeah, we, we have Ben Foster, who's actually injured right now. I'm a, That's why I'm a little worried for them. Because he's a really solid goalkeeper, even for his age. Suffering a groin strain. Um, And he they say he should be back mid-January. But he might be back sooner. So we'll see what happens there. Right now, I think Watford is absolutely screwed um, moving forward. They, they got West Ham, Tottenham, and Leicester right off the bat. It, they're going to be dropping points like crazy. They're just a, a weird team. I see them switching with Burnley into that uh, relegation spot for sure. So they definitely got to be wary because they're right on the uh, the cuffs of going down. And... They're giving up. They got a minus ten goal differential. I mean, as we said, Burnley's down in that spot, but they're also a match behind, and they're giving up less goals. So, Wofford's definitely got to go back to the drawing board. And like I said, I don't even know what they could possibly do because these teams just historically have just been in a constant array of moving things around, and they can never quite figure it out. For sure, because for example, if you look at Wofford, right? Wofford, Wofford's attack is the most shining light of this team, right? Because they have Emmanuel Dennis, uh, Ismailia Saar, and they have Joshua King. But Saar looks like he's suffering from an injury right now. 
he has a knee injury they suffered from. It they it hasn't told me exactly what online, but he's suffering from a knee injury. He got it November twentieth. He's gonna be out till early January, which is really tough for them, because as soon as he's back in that team, it's gonna make everything easier. Because the brute pace of him is is he's like well, he's clocked one of the fastest speeds of the prem, for sure. He's a workhorse. Yeah, he's he's talented. He'll he'll run as fast, much as he can. He'll do his best. And he'll just try – like, that's the thing because him and Emmanuel Dennis, if we look at the stats of what Wofford has been pulling out, right? Wofford's goals, most of them have come from either Emmanuel Dennis, Ishmael Asar, and Joshua King. Those three. Dennis has two more goals than Saar and King who are tied on five. And Emmanuel Dennis also has five assists. They got some shining stars for sure. There's things to build on, but – once again, I, they just have to be better. I, they're in awful form, you know, out of the last five, four losses, just straight up four losses. And the schedule is not getting any easier. Their next three games, I don't see them even drawing, to be honest with you. It's going to be a tough one. They're in awful form right now, and the players just really need to find their own motivation because there ain't really nothing else they could do. It's it's all a mental game at some point. Sometimes you're just getting outplayed. And right now, they got the bad mixture of both going down. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Speaking of might be going down, I'm a little worried for Leeds, right? Leeds, they looked they, they look like they had a decent transfer window, all right? They, they, they robbed, in my opinion, Dan James off of us, Daniel James. I don't think he should have left United, in my opinion. One of my bigger hot takes. I really liked him at Manchester United, but they took him, all right? They have him. Uh, they also brought in, uh, they brought in Rafinha last summer. Um, and they also have likes of Calvin Phillips, Patrick Bamford, Jack Harrison. They made a permanent. This is usually a decent and solid team. Like they play Bielsa football. It's always exciting, expansive. They don't like to sit back. They like to be progressive, move the ball, do whatever they can. And while we respect it, and we love seeing it. It makes for great games. They're still losing games. They have to make sure that they're holding on because they only have three wins. Like Watford has more wins than them, but they have seven draws and eight losses. So from there, we have to see what we can do. And for sure, I mean, as you just said, like they play exciting football, but they really got to work on getting back on defense after their uh, counterattacks and stuff because they get out, out there, but then they get blown up coming back across. And once again, like they've, they have a worse goal differential than Burnley and Wofford combined for crying out loud. I mean, Wofford and, and Burnley put them together. That's a minus 17 and, and Leeds has given up. Uh, it's minus 18 right now. So you know the defense is just not there. But it's because they're getting caught by going too far up. And, and they just need to keep a better defensive form. And maybe start thinking about a little safer play. I like when teams take risks, especially when you're dealing at the bottom of the of the table. Because you got to make something work. But you got to pick your spots better instead of just going full on out. Because you're going to get blown up on the way back. Yeah, for sure. I hear you. Um, now, Lee's I'm not too concerned about neither this next team either because they've brought it back a little bit in the past couple of games, which is Southampton, right? Southampton, the beginning of the season, nobody was expecting them to be doing anything decent. Everybody thought, okay, Southampton down, what's next, right? Like, they're not, they weren't really too concerned about it. But if you look at a lot of Southampton's games, like, they've been winning convincingly against the teams like an Aston Villa and a Wofford, but granted, they lost to a Norwich City, which is, you know, Norwich City, as they are right now, but still, everyone has, you know, they're down, they're down performances, but they're looking pretty good, though, because they have, um, 
They have Che Adams, who's a younger player, looking decent. Sadly, Adam Armstrong they got from Blackburn. I want to double check. Hold on. I want to check for him right now. Yeah, Blackburn Rovers, correct. That was correct. That was correct. Yeah. So Blackburn, like, who was great in the championship by far. He looked phenomenal. And getting him in was a great move from Southampton. But he is injured right now. And if I'm not mistaken, if we look at where most of their goals have been coming from. I know that's overview of Prem. Whoopsie daisy, sorry. I want to make sure we have the proper stats, guys. <laughs> Uh, stats. Here's the thing. I did want to, you know, brag about um, him a little bit. But also, I have to shout out my Albanian. Armando Broja, the least most Albanian name I've seen by far probably in my lifetime. He has four goals. He's a top goal scorer at Southampton. That's right. Albanian's taking over the world, guys. But, you know, and all, all jokes aside, right? So... They have all been, all been putting up numbers between uh, Adam Armstrong, Broja, um, Che Adams, even James Ward-Prowse. He has, I think he scored three set pieces. The guy's a set piece animal. He's phenomenal on those. And we, we see that the team just has to, has to sort of step it up a little bit because I think they have the makings of being mid-table, in my opinion. I don't think they get relegated, especially with the performances that they've shown. So we just have to see where they go from there, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they've been a weird team, and I think they're starting to pull it together right now, but they're definitely like a tough team to play. Um, they're just going to grind things out at the end of the day. Whenever you see them play, it, it's a it's a tough style of uh, football, and these guys are just constantly working. I think they just really need to just settle down get out of their heads a little bit because the effort's there for sure. Some of these teams that we're talking about, the effort just has not been there. and Or it's only effort in one part of the game, whether it's offense or just defense. These guys do everything pretty decent. It's just they really need to figure it out. And, I mean, listen, the last five games, they've been pretty good. They got three draws, two losses. Not great, but could be in a much worse position. I, they got some good players there. They got some young players there. I, I'm a fan of the uh, defender, Lynn Cow, for, for uh, instance, 24-year-old. He just plays like a, like a, like like kind of like a young Sergio Ramos for me, obviously at a lower level. But he just, like, he does, like, the little things. He, like, he's out there, like, talking his game. And, and that's what I want to see out of these young guys. And that's what I want to see out of a team like Southampton, just having the confidence out there and not being afraid to just take that next step. Like, hey, we might be a mid-level club, but we should be in a better position than what we're at. And I expect them to get ahead of uh, of an Everton and, you know, start creeping towards that, like, 11 to 12 range. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't doubt it. I, I do think that they can have a mid-table finish. But speaking of them, Everton, right? Everton, this past few games with Rafa, they've just been struggling to say the least, right? And I think it's down to a big injury problem in the Everton dressing room. Because a lot of the times you either have someone like a Richarlison missing or a Dominic Calvert-Lewis missing. And there's constantly players being rotated out. Even a Yerry Mina, who's actually probably the best defender at that club, out all the time. And you have a Townsend who even, even though granted he's Andrews Townsend, he really shouldn't be playing anymore in my opinion. He's still crucial to that team. Uh, out a lot of the times. Richarlison's out right now. I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin just got back. 
Um, you have players like Rondon and Tosin, like they just don't really work for that team that well. And uh, that's just a lot of stuff that we see. Richardson, for me, um, it, they're such a weird one because for them to be successful, I, th- I think a lot of their injury, their a lot of their problems, as you said, has come from injuries. You just like to me, their two best players, not even close, is Calvert Lewin and Rich and when they're healthy. But the problem is, is that you know we're starting to see like the injuries pile up, and you can't expect the team to really turn it around when you have multiple players. I mean, dude, they're they're injury FC right now, and moving forward, I, I don't know. They and they can't do nothing until they get healthy. That's got to be the main focus. I see them dropping points, uh, moving forward. Their next couple of games too. I mean, they, they're gonna play Newcastle. They should be okay with that. That should be a nice little warm up to get uh, Calvert Lewin going again. But then they play Brighton, and Brighton's been pretty good this year. Just an absolute unit, and it's going to be a little a little tricky in that game. But moving forward, they do play Norwich and Aston Villa, and then back to a Newcastle. So it's a staggered lineup of like, hey, here's some warm-up games to get back into it, but then you're going to be hit with a challenge. That's all you could ask for because you don't want to just sit there and get gimme game after gimme game. I, I think this is the perfect spot for them to start getting these guys back into rhythm they have a chance to turn it around, but it's going to be a little tricky. But they could not ask for a better schedule to try it out and see what's going to go on moving forward. Because they still have class players, right? Because Damari Gray, even though all these guys have been injured, he's been performing out of his skin. Like, someone who's been playing really well. You still have people like an Allen, Lucas Dinier. I think also one of their biggest issues is that they don't really have help in that right-back position because they still have Seamus Coleman. And don't get me wrong, Seamus Coleman has always been a solid player in the Premier League, always done his best, but he's at 33 years old now, playing for Everton for a very, very long time, since, like, 2010. Like, don't get me wrong, like, I, I love Seamus Coleman. He's always been a great player, but it it's that time where it's like you need to start finding people to not replace him, but to help him and maybe rotate out, and then further on down the line, you have someone different, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're seeing them linked with potentially moving managers. You know, I keep on hearing Ole gonna uh, Ole might be coming down. I apologize. I could never pronounce the man's damn name. I butcher it every time. Um it's Norwegian, it's tough. Don't worry. People will give you Yeah, it, but you know, being a United fan, do you think Ole's the man for the Everton overhaul? I think they have the right guy because if you look at what Rafa did with Newcastle, he he was doing what he was doing with them, even with he listen. Rafa brought them back up to the Premier League, Newcastle. He yep. got he was getting them mid table, like a few times around. Where we see now, they're barely they're almost relegation or they're getting relegated right now. So I I think Rafa is the right guy for the job. It's just tough because the dressing room seems like they're out of favor with him. It looks like I can't tell. I'm not in the dress. Well, obviously, I'm not in the dressing room. I'm, I'm in middle of New Jersey. How the hell am I going to know, right? But. Uh, it just, from the outside looking in, it seems tough, but I do think Rafa's the right guy for the job. I don't think they should be looking for anyone else. Because yeah, they, I st- they still have a solid midfield. At the end of the day, they still have solid players, right? They have Damari Gray, who can play out wide. They also have Alex Wobi, who, who was known to be good at Arsenal. I don't see why he's been struggling now. Uh, uh, Bernard has been, eh, you know, like, I don't know how he made it to that club realistically. But 
You also have players like Gababin, who's like been injured a few times. He's going to get back into it. Ducore, who I loved at Wofford. I always thought he was a great player. Like any any Premier League club could work with him. Allen, we all know in Napoli, Allen was goaded. Last year, he was great too. This year, he's like the only actual defensive player in that midfield, covering and solid. And Andre Gomez, a Barcelona boy, like we love seeing him play. He suffered that sad injury, but he's back now playing. And like there should be an expectation. Even Fabian Delph, he won the Premier League of Man City playing left back and also center mid at the same time. Like there's expectations need to be had for these players too and for the manager as well. Like, yeah, there's no just, like, one here, one there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, Benitez has gained a reputation of kind of being, like, hard to please. Uh, he's kind of like a perfectionist. You know, we know he's a quality manager, and I think he just needs a little more time. I'm seeing that, you know, your boy, that Oli is linked with it, but I, I don't think that changes anything. I just think they need to just get healthy and just start getting back into a rhythm and maybe start adding like a little more depth to it. We know that Benitez le- loves to play that rotation game and really go deep into his bench when he needs to. And he just hasn't really been able to do that because everybody's going down the dropping like flies. Yeah. So give him, give him a little more time. For sure. I don't think switching managers is the problem here. I absolutely think it's just a health issue and just getting the confidence back up and getting everybody back into form. Yeah, for sure. Totally. I hear you on that one. Now, next we have a Brighton. Um, but before we talk about Brighton, I want to take a quick word from our sponsor. And guess who our sponsor is, guys? Maz, I'm going to give you a quick guess. Who do you think our sponsor is? Um, I believe it's that lovely soccer shop that we always have here on Match Week. Give us the name, Artie. <laughs> Yeah, ITA Sports, guys. Yep, they're back again to sponsor us. They love us. I don't blame them. Why wouldn't you love us? Come on, it's Match Week, the podcast. Why wouldn't you love us? But we're just going to take a quick five-second break uh, just to hear from them. You know, I'm not actually five seconds. Just imagine a five-second ad. Like, ITA, boom, and we're back. No. I wish. We're going to take a quick break, uh, hear what they have to say, and we're going to continue on with this. Hello guys, how are we doing today? I'm sorry, I know, I had to stop the podcast and give you guys an ad read. Ugh, already, stop it. Look, I have something very important to tell you about, okay? We are sponsored by ITA Sports. Yes, that's right, ITA Sports. Now, you guys are wondering, what's an ITA Sports? What do they offer for you? Well... They're a local business uh, based out of Booton, New Jersey, where they're on Booton Main Street, if you guys even want to check them out. And what they are is a place where you can either get some cool, uh, different apparel than your like average Adidas or Nike, Under Armour, Puma, that jazz. And they go more with like the Areas, the Yomas, the Hummel. And how can we forget the Umbro? Guys, they have way more to offer than I can even list off. All you have to do is go to itasportsshop.com. That's itasportsshop.com. I-T-A-S-P-O-R-T-S-H-O-P.com. And if you're a team or a business, local business, any team, they actually do wholesale apparel orders for you. As you can see on screen if you're viewing, but if you're listening, I'll describe it even better. They make apparel that is best and fitting for you, that is comfortable, and even so, sometimes the price is better than what you'll get from actually trying to get an Adidas or a Nike or anyone else. And all you have to do is just go to itasportshop.com. And now, guys, hey, you know what? In the future, they might have some promos or some more stuff for us to give away and work with. But we have to see how we do this episode for the ad. So please go check it out. Go see it because they have really cool stuff to offer. I'll see you guys later.
Welcome back, guys, from the ad break. Yes, I know, it's a little too long for you guys. You miss us so much. But we're back. Now we're moving on to Brighton. Now, Brighton, what do we feel about Brighton? Brighton has actually been a, a bright spot in these middle-tier clubs. For me, um, I think they're just playing really well at the moment. Uh, I know they're coming off a loss, but uh, they've got two losses and, and three draws in their last five but they're they're only at, at a minus three goal differential, and they're just they're playing decent, man. Um, obviously they're they're a smaller club, and it's harder to get names over there. But with what they got right now, I mean, dare I say they're exceeding expectations? Uh, yeah. I mean, go ahead. No, I, I I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Like they are they are exceeding most people's expectations. You're not wrong. You know, I mean, I know. Um, they're coming off a loss to uh, my team, you know, Wolves. But before that, I, I mean, they, they've had some hard-fought games. Um, they're just playing quality football right now. I mean, they even got that uh, that draw against Liverpool earlier in the year. This is a team that is just doing whatever it needs to. for a, Like, they're exceeding expectations. They're doing whatever they need to do just to not even stay afloat, just to be consistent. I think we're seeing... This is where the table gets a lot, uh, a big discrepancy for me. Where I, I know they're only one point uh, above um, Everton, but there's a big difference between the way that Brighton's looking and the rest of the teams that we just talked about. And that it, it's just they're doing everything right, and they're for with what they're working with. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't even know if I can name one man on Brighton. Um, I I think for Brighton the thing is for them is that the manager has done a good job, um, at sort of bringing this team back up and organizing them because uh, Graham Potter he's just been the shining light of this team because right now what we see is that Neil Mupe who's come from uh who came from Brentford originally he came from a championship team if I'm I don't want to be wrong and be like. You know, assuming stuff. Yeah, he came from Brentford. Alright, I know better. Good. He came from Brentford. He's been performing well. He's top goal scorer at the club right now. Um, in the Prem. And then you also have players like Basuma, who's been bossing the midfield, controlling the game. You still have a Pascal Gross, who they bought for pennies compared to what other clubs spend. And he's been a solid player for them for the past couple of years. And then you have Trossard, who's been like a shining light in the front, just trying to help help everyone out and do the best they can. And we just see this throughout the whole entire team. And I think the most impressive player so far has been Tariq Lamptey, the right back, who has been linked to a lot of different clubs. Um, people like uh, Bayern and a whole lot looking at him, knowing because I don't think he makes it to a Premier League team right now. Because if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he's on. Lo- I don't think I don't know if he's on loan or he got sold to Brighton. Because I th- be honest, because I know he I, came from Chelsea. I know he's a Chelsea youth graduate. I know he came from that that part of the woods. But I don't know if he is either a loanee or Brighton bought him. Yeah, but here's the sad part with the two is that like when you're dealing with teams like that, like as you're saying, like this is the, their best player, and these teams are gonna sell their best players, even though like they're sitting in decent positions, just because they don't have the revenue to to be able to keep these guys. I mean, you know, I'm a Wolves fan and we've had to sell like, we had to sell like our best players moving forward. That's why Liverpool ended up getting Jota. Sorry to go off a track with that, but 
that's the problem with it. It's there's such a discrepancy with the money that can be spent, uh, and that's why most of these teams, it's very hard to break into that upper echelon. I mean, a, a Leicester City situation only happens every so often. It's not. It's a rare occurrence, and to break into that upper echelon, it, it's you got to be able to find a way to keep your best players. It can't just be this rotation rotating door and. For Brighton, I mean, it's going to be hard to do that. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't doubt it. I think Brighton's a team where they're never going to be anywhere near the Premier League like relegation. They're they're solid people, and so long as someone like a uh, Graham Potter it steadies the ship. Even though fans have, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw this recently, but fans had uh, booed him. I don't know why personally. Um. I know that he is a very solid, like solid manager, doing the best he can for the team. But sadly, a lot of the time, he's just being. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I don't want to say he's being um, like underappreciated, but he is better than what some of these teams could muster up for a manager. You know. For sure, and I, I think he was getting the booze. I believe it was that Leeds game that that happened in. And I think the fans just, they really wanted, like, the win. They know that they are much better than a Leeds United. And even though, like, a draw is, you know, not the worst-case scenario, I, I think they just really wanted to see them pull out the win and be a little more aggressive of trying to pull out instead of just, you know, playing it safe. And those are the games where you do need to get points. But as we said, Brighton is taking it to top teams with what this team's working with by far overperforming in my personal opinion. And moving forward, it's looking pretty good, but I don't ever see them breaking through if they can't find a way to generate that steady uh, income and and increase it to be able to keep these main guys. Otherwise, they're going to build somebody up and they're going to be shipping them right off to another bigger club. I mean, in in Lampetti's case, I was correct. He did get sold. I had to look it up for you guys. But he got... Brian bought him for $3.6 right? And now, uh, according to Transfermark, his value has gone up tenfold, and now he's worth nineteen point eight million. Yeah, so they're gonna flop that all day and take that big profit because, because the team's gonna need it. Also, the other thing is that his contract expires June thirtieth of twenty twenty five. He signed an extension last year, twenty twenty. Uh, no, this year. I'm, I'm thinking we're already ahead of the new year. He signed an extension yeah. this year, January seventeenth. So, mm-hmm. if, if a club wants to buy him. It's going to cost them a lot of money, to say the least. So, uh, Brighton, I think they're a solid team. Shining lights, I don't doubt that they'll stay in the Prem. But we just have to see what happens from there. Absolutely. Um, moving forward, do you see them cracking the top 10? Um, I think that is tough. Uh, there's uh, I, Some players there will have to like go like, supernova right like instead of them being six to ten goal a season type players in the prem they're gonna have to be hitting like most solid numbers in order to be anything close to that you know anyways uh moving on the new boys in the in the in the area over here yeah brentford this is i think there's a first appearance in top flight if i'm not mistaken and god knows how long certainly been a while um, I'm going to be honest with you, before the season, never even heard of Brentford. That's how caught up I am with those lower divisions. Um, I have not paid attention to the lower division 
since Wolves came up, to be completely honest with you. Can't wait to get to them in a minute. But with Brentford, I mean, it, it's a nice... It, they're, they're looking very well right now. Um, their last five uh, alone, but they got that win, a draw, another loss, a win, and a draw. I mean, it's a little bit of everything, but they're being... They're very solid right now. Um, they're only... They, they got a goal differential of minus one, and... They're looking pretty solid. You know, it's their first year back up here, and they're coming with throwing punches. It, you know, they're they looking like they might be here to stay moving forward. Um, it's just, once again, they kind of have that, uh, that Brighton feeling where it's like, we'll see what they can sustain being one of these smaller clubs. They got to find a way to sustain, the, to sustain the success and get more out of the players that they have. Because once somebody shines through, they're 100% going to be looking to flip them the same Brighton story. I mean, yeah, because um, if you look at it with Brentford, they have Ivan Tony, right? And Ivan Tony is considered a prestigious like English talent. Like He's coming up through the, uh, through the England ranks. He's finally going to probably get a call-up supposedly soon. And one thing I do have to say about Brentford is that they play like... They they're like fun to watch is the best way to explain it, right? Because they play like a three at the back, like ninety nine percent of the time. That's the formation to play. They play three at the back, five in the midfield, and they have exciting players like uh, Onyeka, Ivan Tony, um, Henry, even uh, uh Sergi Canos. Like they have they have players to work around and look around, and it, it's a it's an exciting project to say at least. And seeing how this is their first bout in the Prem for God knows how long, they're doing very very well. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think another thing is is that they just need to get more out of what they're working with. I mean, Ivan Tony's their top player right now. He's got four goals. Um, everybody else, it's it's just like a string of two to one goals, and him and a. Excuse me if I butchered this name, but it's uh, Brian Umbuemo. Um, One of them really need to start uh, picking it up. They got to find a way to start scoring the goals because the defense has been fine. It's been quality. Um, You know, obviously they could always improve, but I I just think on the offensive end, they just need somebody to just step up and be the leader offensively. Because the one thing I, I've noticed is that, like, Brian's goals have really been a shared effort. Nothing has been a one-player, like, pony-type thing, right? Where it's not, like, just one player scoring all the goals. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh weird. Um. Anyways, uh, what I was saying is that Brian really shared the effort. It's never just a one-person job. Uh, they really focus on the team effort and trying to get the team to be working together. For sure, and that is fantastic, but you still need somebody to step up and be the leader. It's great that everybody's getting involved. I think they need to keep on playing the same style, and they're going to be just fine. It's just somebody needs to kind of be like a go-to guy in those moments. Maybe they're sharing the ball just a little bit too much. Some guys need to just start having that killer mentality, and I think that could take them into the next level and and crack them into the top ten. For sure. I, I don't doubt it. I do not doubt it. Next, we got Crystal Palace, who I was sort of excited about uh, last time around talking about them because last episode, as you all know, if you watched, uh, we were talking about the new Premier League managers coming in. And one of the teams we talked about was Crystal Palace with um, Patrick Vieira. Now, Vieira has been doing a solid job with this team. 
Um, like, there's nothing crazy, nothing special, but the one thing that has been special about this team is Connor Gallagher, the Chelsea uh, Loney, who has been outstanding. If we look at his stats alone. Six goals and three assists right now. I mean, he's doing everything that they're asking from him. They have a nice pairing with him and uh, Wilfred Zaha. Uh, And, you know, Crystal Palace, just they're one of those. What's the word I'm looking for? They're a scrappy team. You know, they're fighting for everything. They have a main guy, which I was just talking about, which um, my apologies literally just said that Brentford needs if Brentford had a Conor Gallagher they'd be in a much better position Crystal Palace looking pretty good right now um starting to turn things around I I know in the last five they have those three losses a win and a draw but I mean they're playing pretty solid the defense has been quality they literally have a goal differential of zero so you know that they're just keeping up with everybody um if they could just start pulling off more wins, they're drawing way too much right now. They need to start taking a little bit more risk. Start looking at, start putting more trust in a Gallagher, in a Zaha to start, you know, getting them in better positions. Just playing a little bit too safe. They just need to start getting some wins and stop settling for draws. Yeah, for sure. Because if we see this team right now, um, a lot of the players have like high expected goal ratios, right? Because if we look at the um, if we look at their expected goals, uh, you have people like a Christian Bekteke who are at, who's at five point three expected goals, and he only has four. A Connor Gallagher who's at four point three, but he's over he's overachieving with six goals, right? And a Wilfred Zaha three point five overachieving. So you have, and they also have Hudson Edward who was a phenomenal pickup from them. They got from Celtic who's been performing really well for his first year in the Prem. So we see this team like playing very well, being defensively solid as well with picking up someone like Mark Gahey, who I, th- I have to check because a lot of these teams, they will pick up players from random clubs as loanies and stuff. And let me search it real quick. Here we go. Defenders. Center back. Where are you, Mark Gahey? But yeah, what's your thought about most of these, uh, this uh, loaning system going on with a lot of these clubs? Just like in terms of, I think loaning players out is, I like it um, to an extent in terms of like short term. Um, I like that we're seeing more guys, you know, that are getting loaned out or turning into permanent deals. Because to me, loaning, I don't see the point. And just loaning a guy for like a season if you don't have intentions to potentially keep him. Unless you're a team that is just looking for that one special piece to break through into um you know into winning the league. You know, I, I could if you're a um a West Ham, I understand the short term loan right now because just that one extra piece could really uh put you forward, but moving forward in terms of an overall picture, it's not doing much for you if you're not going to end up keeping the guy because then he's just going to be gone. And basically, you're training another... You're getting another team's player experience. So I I like it depending on where you're at. When you're a mid-tier team, I don't know how I feel about it. I I think they need to find more ways to get a long-term sustainability for success. Short-term loan deals without options to buy... I'm not really loving it at that time. Should definitely be looking for sign and buys. Yeah, because 
Mark Gahey, now that I've checked, he was bought, actually, finally. Because the reason why I thought he was a loanee, because for the longest time, I remember this, he was getting loaned out to Swansea nonstop. Just Swansea getting sent out, was getting sent out on loan from Chelsea, the obvious Chelsea system. And for he got bought for, what was it, uh, $25 million? Yeah, $25.6 million, if I'm not mistaken. And with Mark Gahey... He, I think his transfer value has already shot up to begin with. He's now even higher than that. So we see someone like this where a lot of clubs are dying for a center back, and we've seen him just constantly outperform himself for a um, for Crystal Palace, really helping keep that defensive shape. So we see that the team is overall benefiting from someone like him. Absolutely. I, I think you said it perfectly already. Yeah, and moving on now, I know we we love to give Crystal Palace some credit and stuff, but we have to go to Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa, D. Smith gone, Steven Gerrard out, and um, uh, what do we think about the manager switch to Steven Gerrard, his first real challenge as a Premier League manager where he's only been, don't get me wrong, the Scottish Premier League deserves his respect, he's, he was doing well, but now that he's moved on to Rangers, what do we think? My bad, man. Can you, can, you, can you repeat that question for me? Like, I heard you, but mm, I got a little confused on that one. Yeah, no worries. Um, So, uh, what's called? With, with Aston Villa now, they have Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard's now in as the manager. What do you think about Steven Gerrard? I was, as now he's only had his previous challenge as uh, working in the Scottish Premier League. You know, I think he's doing a pretty solid job. It's kind of hard when you're dealing with, like, Villa because, once again, they are a mid-level uh, team. And they have to sell their big guys. Jack Grealish just going over to City and stuff. But they brought some talent in. They're trying to make it work. I saw that they got uh, Danny Ings off of Southampton. Was a decent signing for them. Um, I know they're looking to get more out of it. And really, they're just going to be bouncing around uh, pieces until they really get, like, a, I guess, like an identity. You know, they, they just, they're still shuffling things around. And it's going to be a fight for them moving forward. But I think they manage pretty fine. I, I, once again, just another team that just knows how to um, get it done. And if you're looking at like their stats, I mean, the last five is three wins, two losses. So clearly, they're going after it. Um, they're taking chances. They're sitting right in that 10 spot. I think it's theirs to lose at this point. Yeah. Because the one thing I will give Villa the credit for is that the three new transfers, Leon Bailey, Buendia, and Danny Ings, like, they're three solid transfers. Bailey, sadly, has been dealing with injury problems. And then um, Danny Ings, like, he's still been a solid, consistent player. We see how he plays time and time again. And then um, even uh, Buendia, I don't think he's meshed fully into that team yet. I don't think they figured out his sweet spot. They're still working with it. But they still have players like Ali Watkins and a Trezeguet. Sadly, Bertrand Traore is injured. But even the midfield's looking very solid when it comes to a um, when it comes to John McGinn, D- Douglas Louise. Uh, sadly, they have players like uh, Nakamba, who I thoroughly enjoy. He is uh, pretty good, um, but he's injured. And then their defense has been the shining light for me. They have someone like Tuan Zebe on loan from United playing in the back, and he's playing really well. Matty Cash at right back, doing decent. Um, Courtney House, Tyron Mings, even Konsa, those three guys have been... They have four great English center backs, right? They're very solid. 
And then at left back, Matty Target, or Matt Target. I, I keep saying Matty because of Matty Cash, but Matt Target, who's decent. Yeah, I, you know, I think the biggest thing with them is you look at their uh, win, loss, and draws, and they're pretty much like, hey, we're going all in, and we're not settling for draws, which is a good mentality to have, but I think they would actually benefit just being just a little bit more cautious, and it's fine with getting draws here and there. Um, they're just not getting enough of them, and they're sitting in a, a weird spot at that 7-1-9 uh, and nine record right now, but they'll figure it out, and I just would like to see them be, I, I don't say this so often, I think I would just like to see them be a little more cautious and just be a little more smarter as you're getting into these games. The one thing that we've noticed, right, is that they have they have a solid defense and a solid goalkeeper to back them up, right? We have Emiliano Martinez, who had probably the best goalkeeping season, right? And as we see through them, they're constantly trying to perform and cover. And that's the thing, right? Because it's like we, we, we're saying they have to defend more. But they have one of the better defenses I like looking sure. at personally. Like their only weak spot to me is their left back and Matt Target. But mm-hmm. if we look at every everywhere else, it is very solid. So I'm not too worried about Villa. I think Villa, they are going to have a decent finish. I think Steven Gerrard is just going to ride out the season see how everything goes, and then work from there. And also, with a, lot, with a few of these teams, we have to see what happens in January too, right? That's a big asterisk over everything we say. Every, something in January can change our opinions drastically, whether it's the buying of a player or selling of a player. We don't know. For sure. And, you know, they've already got some talent to work upon. They have a nice foundation. Um, obviously, Villa's my rival, so I really don't like to see them do great. But I have to give props where props is due. And... It's looking like selling Jack Grealish has really opened things up for them because they got so much money from City. And as long as they use it smartly, they're going to be just fine. And I, I think they're, they're, they're for sure finish in that uh, 10 to 8 spot for the year. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, we're in top 10 territory right now. now and these teams in the top 9... Uh, from five to nine, it's anybody's ball game right now, realistically, because anybody can place anywhere in that spot. But realistically, it's just a tough place. So I'm just gonna like sort of like put all these teams in one category. I want to put everyone from fourth to ninth down because these guys are the real contenders for getting fourth place. Because I I don't think personally, unless Arsenal start performing out of their skin even more than they already are now. I don't think any of any of these other teams are making top three. So if we look at from the top down, we look at a Leicester, a Wolves, a Tottenham, a May United, a West Ham, and an Arsenal. All right. Who do you think is still in the top four race? Who do you think is not in the top four race still? Um, I think Tottenham have really turned it around for sure. Um, I hate to say it, but getting rid of Nuno, uh, Espirito Santo was definitely a great move by them and uh, bringing in... Um, Pochettelli, po- po- help me out here with the name, Artie. No, 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 Pochettino left. Pochettino. Left, and then it was Mourinho, and then it was, you know, Espirino Santos, and then and we're it was at, Conte. My bad, I completely messed up my names. Antonio Conte has really um, changed things around. My apologies out there, I know I'm going to get destroyed in the comments no, on that one. Tyne isn't changing managers like no tomorrow, so... It is tough to keep track of sometimes, so it's no worries to you. Yeah, so Conte has done a phenomenal job and is just getting them back into form. I mean, this is a team that we've talked about for 
it just feels like forever just constantly underperforming. Um, I was ready. I've been saying like it's time to you know move on from Harry Kane, get a, get a fat sum for him, and just start working on the rebuild. It's not like they don't have anything to move forward. I mean, they have Son uh, on that offensive side, and they've just really been looking quality since they've gotten rid of Nuno. And I hate to say that because I love him. I wish he never left Wolves. But here we are. So for me, Tottenham definitely going up there. Uh, I think they could break into it. Man United, you just can't count them out. I mean, you got I, I got to applaud the move with the new, uh, I guess you could say, interim caretaker manager in uh, Ralph Ragnick, who's the father of the press. I mean, he's influenced so many people like uh, Jorgen Klopp and stuff in, in that style of play. He has Ronaldo pressing, which I know is the biggest... Um, Biggest challenge, right? Ronaldo's just that. For sure. Yeah. Ronaldo is like, listen, I I, I love Ronaldo. He's my fa- prob- possibly my favorite player of all time. Definitely up there. Um, To me, he's the greatest of all time. We'll save that for another podcast, I'm sure. But the fact that um he's coming in here with that squad, and it was looking like, oh, man, they have all this talent. They just need an identity. And I think they're finally getting that identity under... um. Ragnick, and they've been in phenomenal form lately. I mean, three wins, one draw, and a loss. They're really killing it. Um, I will never count a team out that has Cristiano Ronaldo on it. I'm loving the play that you guys are getting out of Jaden Sancho right now. You guys were not using him under Ole, and it was really frustrating to watch just as a fan because you saw what he did over at uh, Borussia Dortmund. was killing it. Comes here, not getting a shot, and now you guys are starting to finally utilize the piece the pieces that you have. Um, I would like to see um, a little more consistency out of the defense. They've been they've been doing just fine um, as of recently, really turning it around. But uh, I got to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Harry Maguire. Um, still, at times, just like streaky for me. But we'll see. Moving forward, I think you guys are in a great spot and definitely in contention to uh, get up into that fourth spot for sure. And then, and then um, I'm going to be honest, I don't see Wolves doing it. I would love to sit here and tell you the Wolverhampton Wanderers could break into that top four. But until somebody steps up and, and starts being a, um, a shining light, I, I would, it's just not going to happen. Adama Traore is the guy to me that needs to take the step. He needs to, he's just too passive for me as a fan. Um, He's one of the fastest guys I've ever seen on a soccer pitch. He takes off, ends up dumping the ball off to somebody who just can't bang it home. I want to see Adama start banging shots like we saw him do last season and just being too passive aggressive for me. I do think the uh, new manager that we just have, um, whose name is escaping me right now. I know he just came from Benfica. Um... Yeah, Are you been looking good? Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's doing a, a, a decent job, but the biggest problem is is that um you know Raul Jimenez looking like a shell of himself, playing a little scared after the fractured skull. I can't blame him. Because yeah, like, he's he's wearing the he's wearing the check the, the Peter check helmet essentially, helmet. right? It's like mm-hmm. any player where it's a head trauma, like granted, like ACLs and all that whole nine yards, like. You you work that out. You train it up. You build it up to be stronger than before. But a head injury, there's there's so many factors into it. For someone who's known for heading the ball, he's great in the air. So it ruins the whole dynamic of his game that he has to adjust to. 
Yeah, I, and it's it's just so sad to see because he was the one player um, that he was just like, he was just a goal getter, you know? I didn't, I, I thought he was out uh, two uh, seasons ago when we saw um, Jota leave. There was no talks of Jota being sold that entire summer. It was all Raul Jimenez is on the move, Raul Jimenez is on the move, and then at the last second, Liverpool scoops in, uh, snags Jota, and we're left with Jimenez, which is like, okay, I'm not, like, upset about it. Um, We knew somebody had to leave. It's just I was just so caught off guard, and it just sucks that the guy that we have, that we're left with, is Jimenez ends up fracturing the skull and just completely has changed him just on a confidence level, and I can't even blame him, dude. That's a scary injury. And moving forward, he's going to be a lot more cautious. Um, the one thing I will say about Wolves is that they have a nice little foundation uh, being built there. Um, I love the move of picking up Jose Sa at keeper and getting Patricio out of there. Patricio, just as a Portugal uh, national team fan, as I'm of Portuguese descent, you know, I, I love that team. And Patricio, just as a goalkeeper, just, just takes... Um, I, I don't even know. He just doesn't show up when you need him to. He's such a weird guy, just very flaky, and, and I absolutely love uh, the move of getting younger and going with uh, Jose Sa for sure. So we'll see what they do. Ruben Neves, still, I, I think Neves is going to be on the move pretty soon. I mean, the guy is quality. You know, we've been um, saying this for how long, though? It's always been like, oh, a city's going in, United's going in, but is he is he destined for that big move finally, or is he going to be at Wolves, or... Is he going to go to the Bundesliga or is he going to La Liga? We don't know because he, he everyone keeps saying it, but then he's still just at Wolves playing his game, you know? Yeah, but I mean, if you, when you see him, I, I, I mean, the kid kind of does a little bit of everything for Wolves. Struggling a little bit this year, but in, in past time, um, and when you watch him play for the Portuguese national team, the kid is quality, um, you know? Bangs in the free kicks at times. Good defender in in, in the uh, center midfielder and can be a distributor. Not afraid to hit a goal every now and then. I think he can be a uh, a solid fundamental piece for a bigger club. It's just he needs help around him. It's kind of like um, just looking at any playmaker. You can only do so much if you don't have guys banging goals. I mean, the top goal scorer is the kid... Um, Oh, I'm gonna butcher his name too. Uh, Huang He Chan, and I think Chan's only sitting at like four goals. But I mean, he's still young. He's doing some work. But you know, the fact that Romine Sace is among the, their leaders in goals scares the hell out of me. And just moving forward, they just really need to start getting younger and, and just start looking to get back to. Um, Wolves ball, you know, they're going to keep funneling the Portuguese players, which is great. But I, I just think they need to start taking some uh, some more chances on some of these younger guys. And we know they brought in a Fabio Silva, but he hasn't really done much. But the kids only I think he's only like 18 at this point, 19. So we'll see that Wolves is going to be just fine. But they definitely need to find a way to just be more consistent. And until they do that, I don't see them cracking up into that um top four. I think they're going to be uh, just chilling right where they're at, to be honest with you. I mean, if we're going to talk about goals and expected goals for uh, for Wolves, right? I mean, like, Raul Jimenez, he's at 3.5 expected goals, and he's at 3 right now. So 
he gets a little bit of a break there. Huang is overperforming a 2.4 to 4 goals. I mean, he went from a really bad dry spell for Leipzig to coming in and playing well for Watford. He's meshing well with the team. And then you have a Trincao who was at zero goals. He's at 3.5 expected. And that's because he's one of those shining lights of trying to help create a lot of chances for you guys, right, when he's on the pitch. Because most of the time, it's either Potence or Adama on. When it's Adama and Trincao, you see that Trincao is more of that creative player. Because personally, I don't think Adama's good enough creatively. Like, a lot of times he does the same thing of running down, cutting the wing, and hope it works. And It's literally just running out to the right side, hitting that little uh, hezzy runs down the right side and tries to throw in a cross and no one's that there. Or, you know, he'll break through, slow down, wait for everybody else to catch up. And it's just like forcing a pass. It's like, dude, make a move already. We know you can hit goals. You were doing it last season. Like, and you're just just playing with that uh that weak mentality of just passing it and just putting it the pressure into somebody else's hands. I, I have an Adama jersey. I'm a big fan of this guy. I, I love watching him play, but he frustrates the hell out of me. I've said for years, I wonder if he if he would be better off transitioning to a wing back, um, just because of the speed and, and the close. Like I think he can close out on guys, and if he really would have focused on that, I think he would just be a, a, a solid, um, you know, kind of not at the same level as a uh, Jao Cancelo, but that type of player just. Oh. I mean, in, in regards to a wingback, he was a wingback at points under Nuno, right? Like, Nuno yeah. was experimenting with him like that. But when you have a player that has 4.7 successful dribbles per match mm-hmm. at that average, when the second person behind him is uh, Rayan Nori, who is at 1.9, it just shows that he would be way more effective up top. And I personally... If you're running with him, make sure you have Huang and Raul working together in the middle, in my opinion. Because I think having someone with Huang with his pace and his clinical finishing, with having someone as a Raul who's really good with hold-up play, I think would be great all-in-all together for Wolves. But, I mean, then again, we're talking about the table. We're talking about where they're going to place. Do you see them making top six? That's the biggest question for Wolves right now. Is top six um, a possibility? No, I don't think so. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Even as a fan, I I just think West Ham, Tottenham, United, and Arsenal are just also, they've got also Leicester behind them. Don't forget because Leicester's two games behind Wolves too, and then even mm-hmm. Villa, who's sitting at tenth, is a game behind. So one and, changes all that. And Tottenham is sitting um, three games behind too, so I- I'm very that's what scares me. They're they're, too, they're I'm petrified. Yeah, I, I think we're dropping down. For yeah, as a United fan, they're only a game behind United, and they're only a point behind. And United is two to two games behind a lot of other clubs as well. So it's it it's a scary sight to see with all these teams being off in matches right now. So again, with Wolves, I think if. They bring in that one player to tie it up because I think Jao Moutinho is getting too old. It, I agree with you 100%. Because he's a phenomenal guy. Don't get me wrong. I, I love watching Jao Moutinho play forever, even when he was at Monaco. He's he's getting too old, sadly, and he can't keep up. And that first season when you hear that that uh, Ruben Neves and Moutinho link up was phenomenal to watch. But like I said, we have to wait and see, see what happens because 
You know, like defensively, you guys still have Saiz and Connor Cody. Willie Bully, when he's fit, is phenomenal. Um, their wingbacks, personally, I think, are a bit of a struggle. Midfield, uh, I mean, again, Moutinho. Uh, you also have Den Donker, who switches from center defensive mid to center back, so you have to figure that out. You, I also, oh, I forgot about your wingbacks, but you brought in Markal, who's really good. Johnny, who's injured right now, but who's always been solid for the club. Nelson Semedo, always solid. Um, we just have to see what happens. I think Wolves, depending on what happens in the summer, whether they bring in someone who is either a better winger than Trincao or is a better midfielder than Moutinho or the two ways you can see possible improvements for this team. Yeah, I, I'm definitely hoping for the midfielder um, because Moutinho is just kind of stepping into that uh, that old man Pirlo role where they're just really, he's basically out there for set pieces trying to get a solid ball in, into the um, center. And at times he creates, it's just you just see he's just a step behind everybody. The age is really catching up, which is insane because we're sitting here and we talk about like a Ronaldo doing all these amazing things. Ronaldo's older than him by like two years, but Matinho, this is soccer's a physical game. And at this point we are seeing the, um, the progression of the old age, I guess it's kind of like a regression of the athleticism. And if it's, if it's not for set pieces and just those, he's got basically two giant bursts in him and that's it. He, he it's dead water. Um, I just want to see them get younger there and, get somebody that can really start making things happen. And like I said, I just want a mentality change, I, especially in Adama. I want him to start taking more shots, stop looking to pass the ball off. Solid foundation for the team moving forward, but it's just not enough yet. And especially with, you know, we're kind of like, we're kind of like, you got like your top dogs, you, you're um, in terms of your top three of City, Liverpool, Ch- Chelsea, and then, as you said, those next uh, five teams are, are right there, and we are probably the worst out of those next teams. I see us still finishing top 10, but we're, we're definitely not going to be for, breaking. For Wolves, I think top 10 is guaranteed for you guys. I would yeah. I, I just think we're going to be in, I think we're going to end up in that 8-9 to nine spot. Which isn't bad, in my opinion. Like, yeah, it's, uh, realistically, you look at the teams you're up against. A Leicester, who is two games behind the Wolves, so yet three points behind. You have Tottenham, who is was at one point nearly won the Premier League, but choked it and almost won the Champions League. You know, they're Champions League finalists. So there's high expectations for them. You also have a May United, who at the beginning of the season, everybody and their mother, including myself, was expecting a top three, maybe even a, a, league, a league win this year, but we all know that's far from happening I mean, at this point. Um, and then we have West Ham, who is a re- resurging, resur- uh, a team that is resurging. There we go. Words for a struggle. Uh, a resurging team that has been uh, performing out of their skin, doing well. Uh, it's just injuries will worry me for them because if certain players go missing, then there's going to be big problems for them. And Arsenal, if they keep this form up, because I think they're at the point of the season where they finally got some of their easy fixtures, because Arsenal probably had one of the toughest starts I've seen for a Premier League team. Because let me go back to their beginning games. So yeah, so oh, the easiest game they had was Brentford, and they lost 2-0 to Brentford, and then they've had to versus Chelsea, and then they had to versus Man City. Then they versus Norwich, got to win. Burnley, and then 
we keep going and it's been solid performances, uh, doing well. Then they lost 4-0 to Liverpool. Blip, winning against Newcastle, barely lose to Man United. This team is finally finding some form. Mikel Arteta is finally getting some things together. But if you're an Arsenal fan, right, and you're looking at this team, what makes you think, what gets to the next level? What gets them securing top four and maybe even challenging for top three? Because they're close. They're on the cusp right there. If we look at points, they're at 32. They're only six points behind Chelsea. Um, They're a bit far off of Liverpool and City, but who knows what happens? Because even Liverpool just suffered a draw, even though City's in winning form. We, what, what do you think is the difference for them? What makes the difference? Um, I really hate to be that guy, but I, I think uh, getting away from uh, a bomb and Yang has been a key for them. You know, uh, so many times, uh, I, I don't want to, like, you know, sit there and be like, oh, the guy's like a cancer. Um, but he was starting to, you know, kind of just be trying to think, hey, I'm a, basically a one-man team. And they were just putting too much faith in him. And now um, when they're getting away from him, they're looking pretty good. You got some talent here that's been phenomenal. I mean, Smith Rowe, yeah, I, quality. He's been for sure the reemerging talent out of this team. Smith Rowe, uh, he's doing pro- everything he possibly can to make it to that World Cup team, right? World Cup's coming up soon. He's fighting for that spot. And I think he's earning it over a lot of other players. You know, uh, Bukayo Saka has just been quality. I mean, he's still very young, and he's leading the team in assists with four, and he's up there uh, top five in goals for them with three. Uh, That's a great future. It's looking like moving forward for him, and he's really competing. And I think they're finally seeing what they've been looking out of Martin Odegaard since they have him. He's finally looking comfortable since that move. I believe it was from Real Madrid, right? Um. You know, coming, it, it's hard for, like, players, I feel like, coming off of uh, a big club like that where, you know, you get loaned out and there's just not room for you. It kind of, like, can hurt, like, your confidence. But, I mean, I don't know why because it's like, yo, you were good enough to be on that team. It's just there's world-class players ahead of you. That Odegaard, it was a different story, right? The kid transfers to Real Madrid at 16, 17, has his... Exactly. Big expectations of like the next big talent, blah, 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 where it's just like, dude, he was just a 16-year-old kid ripping it up in Norway. Like, of course, he's going to be better than everybody else. Well, everybody looked at him like he was the next Ozil, and that's kind of setting him up for failure at such like a young age to put that much pressure on him. Of course, you're going to get loaned out. You're only 16 when you're there. There's better. There's more established players uh, there um, in front of you. So, of course, you're going to end up in a loaned out situation. You should never be discouraged by that. Go and get your reps, and if you shine, they'll bring you back and use yeah, you, or you just end up being a permanent mainstay at Arsenal. If I'm if I'm Odegaard, because they finally made the transfer permanent, if I'm not mistaken, yes. you're happy you got out of Madrid while you could, because they are a mess to begin with right now. Because um, I think they're losing Benzema. He's going to prison FC transfer, you know, um, <laughs> for all the... When, uh, Matthew uh, Valbuena stuff. So if we look right, Arsenal, I'm looking at this team. Nicholas Pepe, I don't know what I, he's finally like kicking it back, but I'm, I'm, I'm just a little concerned for him. Saka, he started off slow in the beginning of the season. Cause we know he came off the Euros, right? If you saw the Euro performance he had, he barely played a little bit. And then when he, Oh no, actually he played a lot. Now that I think about it. He did actually play a certain amount of games, but 
Yeah, he's forced to step up for the... Not forced, but he has to step up for that penalty, right? Young kid, first ever major final. The pressure's on. It's tough, man. And we just have to see the best out of these players. And I, I also think that Arsenal had benefited a lot from the past transfer window, correct? Because they dropped 150 million uh, pounds. I think that translates to 200... And, 200 million, maybe 190 million American, if I'm not mistaken. But they brought in players like Aaron Ramsdale, who's been looking out of his skin, the guy they've been missing, a goalkeeper who demands it from the back, who can distribute control. And it's nothing to burn Leno. I think Burn Leno's a great goalkeeper. It's just Ramsdale is everything he can't be. Ramsdale's English. Ramsdale has a voice. He's more in control of the game. And there's nothing, that's nothing on Burn Leno. And then we have. Players like Tommy Asu who's come in and looked really good. Uh, ben White they bought from uh, Brighton. They bought ben, ben White from Brighton and looks really, really good. Nuno Tavares has been playing and uh, has been seeding in, doing well. I You can't complain about him. Thomas Party always been a solid center, center mid. There's nothing more you can expect from him. Odegaard doing well. Smith Rowe doing well. Grani Chaka, the Albanian who plays for Switzerland. Like, you know. Love the guy, but I think that's one of the players that they have to start rotating out of the team. Uh, just because, like, he's their best and worst player. It's so hard to explain because we see someone like Rani Chaka, he's either the best player on the pitch, playing you the best balls possible, like playing out of his skin, or he's the worst player on the pitch and getting a red card for no reason because, you know, the Albanian temper. Like, it, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just how it is, man. Um... But that's what I, I'm excited. I think Bamiyang, it's finally good to get some of these older players on really high wages out. I think Lacazette, he's performing well again somewhat. But if you're an Arsenal, I think either in January or in the summer, you're looking for the striker that's going to carry you over for these next two to maybe five years. You know, someone that like beds in with the team and then just goes off. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, um, they're in a, a a solid position, and even moving forward, I mean, they got um Norwood City and Wolves right before they got back to back games against City and Liverpool. So those will be just great warm up games to have the confidence up. Um, and they're gonna keep performing at a high level, and we'll really see what they're made of when they get to when they get to uh, City and Liverpool. Yeah, for sure. Y'all good over there? Yeah, I don't know. I just said something. Uh, I got to plug in the computer real quick because we've been on for a minute and we drained a little bit. All right, no worries. Um, I also just hit something to change my screen. I don't even know what I just did. I hope that didn't change the uh, side is, of it. We're almost there. We're at the we're at the home stretch. Yes, we sir. Just, we just have to talk slightly about United, not too much. I already did a whole podcast about them. Yes, and sir. Then just sum up Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City quickly, and then boom, we're done. No problem, bro. I'm, I'm loving that we've had this extra time, dude. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Wait, I texted Cam yesterday about um, applying for the uh, radio station. Yeah. And, um, let me see. 
I say, uh, I was like, um, hey, what's up, dude? Sorry to bother, but I need some help signing up for the radio station. And Poland said to do it through Navigate. And he's like, through Navigate, all right, I'll help you out. I was like, thanks, homie, I appreciate it. And then no response. Yeah, you're talking about for the ADJ thing? No, I'm talking about just to sign up for Montclair Radio Station. Oh, word. Um, I can just literally bring you to the next meeting that they have. Um, but, um, you're gonna, I think you're gonna need to get in touch with, do you know Ben Petruk? No. Um, I think he's the kid who runs, I got, I, I can introduce you to him. Um, I'm pretty sure he's the one that's running the ADJ, um, thing right now. Why do I have, there we go, that's what I wanted. Booyah. Um, Make sure this is in. Damn, how did that? Tr like, dude, I was literally at like forty percent, and then just out of nowhere, just dropped. Damn, that's crazy. That's in this computer's. This is literally like, I have a shitty computer. This is the good one. That's never happened before. Um, what's it called? Um, but yeah, get in touch. I, I can get you in touch with in touch with Ben. Um. Because the best way to get involved would definitely be the uh, the ADJ program. Yeah. Um, where were we at? Arsenal. Yeah, we're just finishing up with Arsenal. Um, so I'm just gonna give us a quick, quick little thing back in. All right. So yes, sir. All right. Now that we've talked about Arsenal enough, um, honestly, hey Arsenal. Hope they don't do good. But in all reality, let's see what happens with them. January is going to be a big difference for a lot of these teams. And now on. Do we... Before we go, I, I have to say this. For any Arsenal fan out there, somebody get in touch with whoever does their branding. Because I swear to God, the cannon's on backwards on that logo. And it kills me every time I see it. What do you mean cannons on backwards? If you look at the cannon, right, it is facing backwards. Whenever you put a tattoo on somebody or a design, you want the front of the object facing towards in the body, right? So if it was on the chest, you would want the front of the cannon going towards the heart. If it was on the ribs, on the left side of the ribs, you'd want it facing towards your stomach, not towards your backside. That cannon's on wrong, and it pisses me off every time I see it. It's one of the worst logos out there because it's flipped backwards. If they... Just would move it back uh, to how it's supposed wait, to be. The, the, the cannon is facing the... Hold on. The cannon's facing the right way, dude, if you look at the badge. Unless the I don't have, think so, man. Unless the people who've tattooed it did it wrong. It, it's facing the right way. I don't know. I feel like the cannon should be flipped. I swear to God, I feel like it's facing the back. Because look, dude, right? The patch should be on the, uh, the left shoulder. Right? Well, I think if the... But Adidas does it differently, no? They might be. I don't know. If it's facing... I, I Listen, if you're looking at the patch on the chest, the front of the cannon should be facing this way, should it not? Towards the chest. It's here or there. I, was, I still could care less about Arsenal in that in that regard, dude. I, I, feel, I feel you, but I, it just... It, it kills me, dude. I had to get that out there. It's Somebody just, fix the damn your, logo. It's just your OCD coming out. No worries. It's no worries. killing me, dude. Anyways, now that we're off the cannon talk, uh, United, what is there to say? What is there to say, Mass? Um, I think the move for Ralph Ragnick, great job. We mentioned in the United podcast, but we did feel that getting a permanent manager in was the best case. Was would have been the best case, but I think this sets us up to have him as a consultant, maybe become a director of football. 
and then, or even take a higher regard than that, or maybe work with the guys who are in that position now. And then we bring in someone like a Ten Hag who thrives from having someone just in charge of transfers and all of that, and he just coaches. Uh, I, I think, quite frankly, I think that's a great plan right there. Um, I've said that I thought Z- I would like to see Zidane take the job, but I think having uh, Ragnick and Zidane there would just be a clash of heads. And you guys have already uh, set up for Ragnick to get into a bigger role moving forward in the club, which I think is a phenomenal move. I think those were the two directions that you go. They've already made their move with Ragnick, and I think looking at a Ten Hag it, to be the guy. And quite frankly, Ten Hag is a solid piece. I mean, you see what he's doing uh, up in um, Ajax. Ajax, my bad. Up at Ajax, uh, it's been a rotating cast of players, and he's still finding success with them. Being, you know, they're the top club over there in, uh, I believe that is that Denmark. No, it's uh, um, Netherlands. my bad, Netherlands. Yo, every, I actually every like yo, you better be careful next time you see some uh, <laughs> see some Dutch I people, ex- bro. They're about they're yeah. gonna be angry at you, dude. I, listen, I apologize, you guys. Nobody would know you if you if you weren't at the top club and playing in Champions League every year because nobody watches the damn league. I said it. It is what it is. Get at me at Big Papa Maz. That's B I G P O P P A M A double Z on Twitter. Whatever, um. But Ajax with uh, Ten Hag with Ten Hag has just been phenomenal, and I think he's he's too good of a manager to stay at that level of club. And yeah, once again, at me, you know where to find me. He's definitely going to be making a move. I don't see him just wanting to be comfortable. I see him wanting to get into that bigger spotlight and take on bigger challenges and win something more valuable than the Netherlands, you know, cup trophy, whatever the hell it's called over there. Yep. You know, I, and I could see him moving over to a Man United because what's better than being on a resume than being, you know, the coach that brought Man United back to glory? Yeah, and then that's the thing, right? It's like, it's it's a sad thing to see with this team, right? Because saying Manchester United needs someone to bring them back to glory when it's like, they have the team to do it. It's just they keep complaining that, like, we keep complaining and we see that because there's no CDM, but there's no other excuse because if it's a Conte or if it's a Pochettino or if it's a Tuchel or if it's a Jurgen Klopp, a Pep Guardiola, they're finding a fix. So where's the excuse? You have a Paul Pogba, a Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo, Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Juan Basaka, Luke Shaw, Victor Lindelof, De Gea, you know, like... Good players. Fred is decent. McTominay is decent, but they're not the players. And what, what more of ex- excuses can we keep making? You know. I want to see more. I want to see them play a Donny Van de Beek. I I don't know why they don't like putting him in the lineup too often. Um, it, it's definitely weird. Do you? Th- I think the Pogba relationship may be severed at this point. I don't know if, how you save that, but uh, the problems for you guys is in that midfield. And I guess, like, the, yeah, transfer has to be the move. But uh, the team is, I, I think it's a decent team. Um, obviously, you have Ronaldo. You, you have a Jaden Sancho. You, you have pieces there. Um, I would like to see a lot more consistency out of your defense, uh, especially the back four, particularly your center backs at times. You know, Varane's got the injury history. Maguire's just had the yips and just looking like crap. At times, um, 
I think it's time to, you know, really start weighing who needs to stay for the future and who we have, to, who you have to, you know, just, you know, this is dead weight. It's time to get some fresh faces in here because it's just not working with what we got. Yeah. And then um, last but not least, uh, like Lester and West Ham, I want to couple into the same spot because they're the same team, except West Ham's getting more performances out than a Lester, right? Because, I mean, I also realistically, Leicester is a game behind West Ham too, and all it takes is one win to make them only three points behind West Ham. And both teams are viewed in the similar similar vein. West Ham looking gargantuan right now, you know. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, is De- Declan Rice? Yeah, has he's... just been phenomenal. Best best midfielder in the league this season by far. Uh, only player I can see being better than him is maybe a Bernardo Silva at City right now, who's been killing it but we we see the teams we know the options Leicester they I I think it's just been um having some players underperforming with the likes of uh Soyuncu, James Madison um Avardi who's starting to age out um and even Ashley Barnes who does well gets injured does well gets injured you know it's it's sad inconsistency because everyone wants to see him do well uh yeah absolutely and you know, the team, they took Liverpool uh, just playing in that EFL Cup before. Uh, like, they took them to penalties. Th- this team does have, you know, bright moments. Um, and they're, they've are they been a quality team since coming back up. I mean, they are everyone's favorite underdogs. The fact that they pulled off that win league, uh, the, the league win a couple years back was phenomenal. And I think everybody's been rooting for them ever since. But I think it's starting to get to that time where you need to start planning past a Jamie Vardy, you know, uh, start looking in other directions to get uh, back to that next level because they're definitely capable of doing it. They have a great system. Um, I don't think they're just a Cinderella story of a one-off thing. They're here to stay. They've been consistently in the top 10 the last couple of years. Um, it's just they're too comfortable right now, you know, start planning for the future. Don't be afraid to I, I it's great that Vardy's been there for years. It, it's great that you've have this core group of guys, but they can only take you so far at this time. They've already taken you to the top. It's just they've done all that they could in my eyes, and it's time to move on from it. Yeah. And then, and then and go then ahead. West Ham, we know the deal with West Ham. They've come up the season, played well. Um, they've brought in some good players. Uh, they, 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 you do have a slight striker issue to say the least, because if we look at a West Ham, right. And we look at their striker options, realistically, it's just Mikel Antonio. That's the only player I see who can play that striker role well, because like a four Niles, a Jared Bowen, Yarmolenko, Ben Rama, they're not, they're not those type of attackers. They're either wingers or they're cams. They they're not really meant for that striker role. And that's the only real striker they have, which really is the only worry for me. If you're looking at a West Ham, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, Antonio's getting up there in age. He's already uh, uh, over thirty. I think he's around like thirty one, approaching yeah, thirty two. Yeah, he's thirty one. You know, and he, um, I, I remember him being a midfielder for a while. Like, I guess they, Mikel Antonio. It's crazy. He went from. Like, right wing to right back, back to right wing, and now he's the striker for the club. He's had a crazy transition. Yeah, and that's really impressive that he's been able to do that. But just looking at the club, I mean, 
they're probably they're probably going to end up selling Declan Rice, you know, and they're going to get a pretty penny for him. And if they use that the right way, they could utilize that to get into that next level. But at the same time, he seems to be the glue that's holding everything together. So I'd be a little cautious. And that's what sucks about being this level of team where you're right there knocking on the door, but you might not be able to bust it down. My biggest worry for them was that they didn't get Lingard when they should have. I think if Jesse Lingard comes back in August for them, they're in a way better spot than they already are now because they have someone else to rely on as an attacker than just a Ben Rama or or Bowen. So West Ham, I mean, defensively, they also are worried now because they lost Ogbana and they lost Zuma. They have good goalkeeping options with Fabianski and Ariola. Their fullbacks are not too bad. They're decent. The midfield has been insanely solid for them with players like a Pablo Fornals, even a Ben uh, Ben Rama, a Vlasic who they just signed, uh, Susek, Declan Rice. Like that Susek and Declan Rice combo has been great. So we just have to. It's a patience game and a January game for a lot of these clubs. It's a January game. It all depends what happens in these January transfers. Yeah, and the one thing that they do got going for them is. Um, they got Southampton and, and Walford coming up. And Southampton should be a battle, but I, I'm fairly confident in uh, West Ham uh, at least tying that one in Watford. They should blow the hinges off. And then they got a Crystal Palace, which will be a little bit of a fight. But still, these are very uh, not the worst games that you could get. And I think that's just going to be used to settle down, figure things out, and start attacking. How do we move forward and start planning uh, for the transfer window. Yeah, and the one thing I do also have to say is that um, a lot of these clubs have a lot of games to make up. So we're going to see what happens with that with also figuring out how the Premier League is going to do their season with the upcoming World Cup because it is a Winter World Cup, which is the first in its history, if I'm not mistaken, something I've never personally seen in my lifetime. Um, and it's going to be an interesting thing to see how leagues and players deal with it. So we're just going to see how it goes from there. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we're already seeing, I know going off a little bit off topic, but you open up the door. The MLS is starting play in February for crying out yeah, loud. Cause you, no, yeah, because usually they're like a late March, early April. Now it's like, yeah, February because cause we're, uh, we have to make sure that there's enough people coming to our games and not going to the bars to watch the World Cup. You know, it's like. Even even though, granted, it's going to be a November-December thing, usually November is MLS Cup final time, right? It's not yep. something you want to miss out on. If anything, you want to be the league where it builds up that sort of, like, like uh, like aura and, like, the, the sort of, like, whole thing that is the World Cup, right? Build up the games, have the people watching, get them comfortable to the game, let them know what they have to watch and see, and then when the World Cup comes around, they feel more knowledgeable, they feel like they can enjoy it more. I'm curious to see how the other uh, leagues are going to respond. Are they just going to go full? Obviously, there's going to be like a a break for uh, the World Cup play, but is it just going to be a break? Are they going to, you know, kind of move in like the schedule around a little bit with different months? It's going to be interesting to see what they plan to do in the upcoming months. But, you know. We know in England, right? England, December is the busiest game month possible. Like some of these teams play up to seven games in sometimes a two-week span 
like let alone a month. Usually a month, it's more than that, right? So because we have Boxing Day, we have Carabao Cup, FA Cup, Champions League, you name it, Bish Bash Bosh, all these things going on, right? So it's going to be a big, big challenge for these teams. So Mass, fourth place, fifth place, sixth place, who do you have there? Um, In fourth place... I think it's got to be Tottenham for me. Um, I think it's between them and United. I see United getting into that fifth spot. I think United's going to focus attention towards Champions League and kind of doing uh, the Chelsea deal last year, just putting all their focus there. And I think that's a, a solid move. Um, but I see Tottenham just because of how uh, many games back they are and just how well they've been looking and the, the team's completely looking like a, a breath of uh, fresh air. So for me, it's definitely uh, Tottenham moving into fourth. Uh, I, I'm confident in United snagging that fifth spot. And then I think it goes to uh, West Ham and then Leicester. Then you have fourth, Tottenham. Who's your fifth again? Uh, fifth, United. Fifth, United. Sixth, West Ham. What? And yep. then you think Leicester's making a comeback? Uh, yeah, I could see it happening. Uh, I just do not... Uh, Oh, wait, I, my bad. I completely forgot Arsenal in that. that oh, say, my bad, my bad. Arsenal before. My bad, completely forgot Arsenal. Um, Yeah, I I still am going to say Tottenham sliding up in there. Because um, the thing it's, is, if Tottenham win their next three games, that's nine points. And if they get nine points back to where Arsenal are at, at, 18, at 18 games played, it, it makes a big change in the table, right? I think the... um. I mean, the upcoming games for them are very doable. I mean, it's Crystal Palace, Southampton, and Watford. That's basically a lock in my eyes with the, their current way that they're playing. They should absolutely... Uh, anything other than three points in all of those games is a letdown. Uh, they could really use it. I think they pull it off. Now, opposed to looking at uh, Arsenal, Arsenal's got to go play Wolves and then City and, and then um, coming back against Tottenham just in league play, and they got a bunch of games in between there uh, with the um, with the uh, EFL Cup going on. They're going to be tired. It's going to be a lot more of a challenge for them. So I could actually see them. Uh, I'm going to see them dropping. Uh, West Ham, moving forward, does get to play a Southampton, a Walford, and a Crystal Palace. So that should be uh, pretty... Stable for them. And then United, of course, gets a Newcastle, a Burnley, and a Wolves. And then an Aston Villa. So looking at that, I think West Ham, I'm, I'm, uh, Arsenal definitely has the toughest schedule moving forward. So for those reasons, I, I think I'm going to say Tottenham definitely going into that fourth spot. I'm still confident in Man United. In that fifth, Arsenal dropping to the sixth, West Ham dropping to the seventh, and then Leicester coming up and snagging that um seventh. All right, nice, nice, nice. I just do want to give a little, you know, like little precursor, you know, a little like little thing on the top where it's like warning. Uh, Tottenham did have a COVID outbreak, so we don't know how it affects all the players, playing staff, what's happening there. So. We it's it's we, every time you throw a global pandemic, 
<laughs> into a spanner of a league, it makes a whole different. It makes a whole different game to say the least. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I completely forgot about the outbreak. I know that, uh, and the Premier League has talked about stopping play. I think that's the best case scenario for Tottenham if they end up stopping the play because they have the easiest schedule moving forward. So if they could get a majority of their players back for that, they'll be looking in a good position. But of course, adding in global pandemic always mixes things up and everything I just said could completely go out the window. Yep, Everything we've just talked about can, you know, so. All right. So now that you've remembered Arsenal, you still have Tottenham fourth. Fifth place, who do you have? United. United. Sixth place? Arsenal. Arsenal, okay. And then seven, eight, nine, in my opinion, are always just a mix-up that just randomly happens. I don't think you can really specifically assign a team there with the teams that fall into that place. I'll tell you right now, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be West Ham, Wolves, Aston Villa. Okay. Now, we're to the head honchos. I don't think there's much to talk about with them, right? Because we have Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Chelsea, I'm slightly concerned for just because they've had a slight dip in performance with, uh, you know, um, they, they won against Brentford, but they drew against, well, it's Carabao Cup for Brentford, so it's not the biggest of deals. But uh, they, my computer, my computer's stopped acting weird. Thank you. Okay. Um. So if we look back at it, right? They drew Wolves, they drew Everton, but then they beat Leeds, right? Now, do we think that these next games of Villa, Brighton, and Liverpool, can they convert on the chances? Can they come back and say, hey, this is our league to win, you can't stop us? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I see them finishing third in the league. Um, I think uh, the guy, uh, what's his name, uh, Thomas T- uh, Tunkel? Tunkel or Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel? Tuchel. My bad. I, dude, some of these names just kill me. I'm trying um, to save you from getting flamed, but it's fine. Dude, it's, it's, dude, I apologize. I am not the best with pronunciation. The Jersey Once accent again, doesn't make it easier. The Jersey accent, man. It, it's, I don't mean to be ignorant. I just, I can't, like, I look at the spelling and I'm just like, ah, uh, damn. Here we go. But it is what it is. You know where to at me. He's done a phenomenal job, though. We saw he he came from, I believe, PSG. Um, They sacked him. He ends up over here at Chelsea and completely just proves that, hey, everything that PSG was going through was not my fault. Um, They got their own problems, which I'm sure Match Week will cover later down the road. But Tuchel has done a phenomenal job at uh, getting Chelsea in in chances to uh, be successful. As we said, they pulled off that Cinderella Champions uh, League last year. And they're going to be competing, but they are injured. They got some injuries going on. I know they, I'm pretty sure they got some COVID hitting them too. I just see Chelsea finishing top three, but they're going to end up being in that third spot because there's a clear discrepancy between them and a Liverpool and a Manchester City. The thing is, I think that if Chelsea beat Villa and Brighton and they get that win over Liverpool, it makes a big difference because they're, they're only three points apart, right? So we just have to see where it goes from there. And then for you, who's first, who's second? Is City winning it or is Liverpool winning it? What do you think? Um, I think right now I, you got to give a shout out to Mohamed Salah for playing completely out of his mind and is looking like um, I, possibly. I, I have to pull up Salah's stats just to give it. Because, like, granted, it's Liverpool. Like, 
there's unkind words I could say about Liverpool right now. But Mo Salah has been phenomenal year in, year out, to say the least. Let's see. Yeah. This, Premier, this league already, within 18 games, he has 15 goals and 9 assists. Last season, even though Liverpool were in a downturn season, he had 22 goals and 5 assists. Like, the man has been going crazy, to say the, list, I say the least. The only year where he's been under 20 goals was 2019-2020, where, and that was also during the COVID outbreak, where he had 19 goals, but he made up for it, and 10 assists. Like, he's he's a phenomenal player, to say the least. Absolutely. Um, you know, Liverpool does a, a phenomenal job, too, uh, with what they got. I mean, you, you have, they still got Sadio Mane. Um, among others, and, and Virgil Van Dijk is back there, captaining that defense. Which is he's outside of Sergio Ramos. Uh, just in past years, he's been the, the like Sergio Ramos historically been the best center back in the world for years. Van Dijk has come into that light. But here's the problem, though: City also has not only a center back that you could argue is the best in the world in in a Ruben Diaz, but I just think that City just looks deeper at this point. I mean. You're seeing Pep Guardiola. They're benching Phil Foden and Jack Grealish. Like, but like it's not a point. It's not even just because they're not playing bad. Just so they can prove a point that hey, just because there's because there's been a big outbreak, you think you go out and still party at nightclubs? Big problem, guys. Like that's how crazily depth that team is. You know, it's just their biggest issue. I've said this so many times now. I swear I'm a broken record. I really am. They don't have a striker, and I think that if City goes in in January, picks up some, literally, they can really pick up an Ashley Barnes if they want to. At least have him score some goals, and it makes a big difference in that team. Absolutely, and I, I think that's the thing. I, I think they are just, the only spot that they're missing is a true uh, number nine, just goal getter. You put anybody that can just tap in goals, that team is going to go to a new level. Um, I really would have loved to seen what would have happened if, if Ronaldo would have ended up there. I just think it would have been phenomenal. But the team is just so well and just so evenly balanced all over the place. It's just been spectacular. And Bernardo Silva is arguably him and Mohamed Salah are right now competing for the best player in the league, in my opinion. Um, Bernardo Silva is just a magic man, honestly. He's doing everything. He's covering the most different, the most distance. Uh, I think in the Premier League, and the guy's just all over the place. And then you back that with a Jao Cancelo coming off the wing, uh, and then you have a strong defense uh, manned by Ruben Diaz, who's arguably the best center back in the world. This team, and then listen, we're talking about all this. Kevin De Bruyne is still on this roster for crying out loud. De Bruyne is a top ten player in the world, and the fact that you know I, I just named off three names. Before him, just goes to show how well City is, and, and they still have a Riyad Mahrez coming off that wing. And this team is just honestly just looking pretty. They just look unbeatable right now, and they are so confident and such good form. They don't even need a Phil Foden or a Jack Grealish in the damn lineup, and those are two extraordinary players. Um, I'm just gonna go into. Let me see if I can find it here. Because he has some insane, like, underlying stats I'm trying to find. Just, like, explain why we think this, right? Because a lot of people can hear what we're saying. It's like, oh, you're saying that just to be different. Like, no. If you look into his actual, like, in-depth stats, it's actually crazy here. I have to go to 
my trusty sources. Do, 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 do. Uh, no, not for results. I need. Um, no, that's not it. Uh... Wait, I mean, t- listen, it's at a point where Cristiano Ronaldo is still playing the game at a high level, and you have people saying Bernardo Silva is the best Portuguese player on the face of the planet right now. It just goes to show the guy is just amazing. And it's, you know, he's not scoring as many goals as Salah, but once you get, like, the advanced stats, I'm, not everything is goals, although, don't get me wrong, to me, goals is the most important stat in soccer. And I know a lot of people are like, um, try to debate that, but for me, you could play quality defense the entire game. Congratulations, you're going to end up with a draw. The only stat where, no matter what, if you... Uh, have more uh, if you are better than your opponent at and you were 100% win the game is goals you could play the greatest defense all day long you could complete 100% of your passes all day long it does not necessarily mean that you are going to win the game you have a greater chance of winning the game for sure and they both factor into it but scoring goals at the end of the day is the only stat that guarantees you that you are going to come out with a win. So how can it not be the most important stat? But as I said, like the Mohamed Salah, arguably the better player. Bernardo Silva's putting in that work. He's doing a lot of that off-paper stuff. But the team is just so deep, I just don't see Liverpool being able to catch up to them. And the less they need to start bringing in some more players, which is crazy because Liverpool is already a quality team. It's just City just seems to be slowly pulling away. And they just still look look a step ahead. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the one thing I do want to give credit for Silva is this is why I want to find his stats. Here we go. Because he gets 1.8 tackles per game as a basically a second striker slash cam. He also has an 89% average pass accuracy per game with him actually making most of the time the most passes and taking the biggest chances. He gets 1.6 key passes per game. He creates five big chances per game. He usually has over 72 touches per game. He he usually has a 30% goal conversion for every shot he takes, where for someone who is not known for taking shots is pretty incredible. Because on average, the usual average for a striker is 45. He's only 15% below, and he's not even a striker. Sure. And he's had... Uh, well, he's he's started 17 matches for he's basically played 17 matches, started 17 of them. He his scoring frequency is about 205 minutes per goal. He's he's playing very very well, and I wish I could show you his heat map right now, Maz, because his heat map here. You know, what? I actually am gonna pull it up so the audience can see Bernardo Silva. Here we go, full screen. Boom! Look at this. I don't know if you guys can see this right here. His heat map is all over the place. I will even zoom in just so you can see. Hold on a second. Dude, I mean, the guy is an absolute work workhorse. He's all over the place. I, I legitimately think, uh, shout out my brother-in-law, Dan Devon, Giant City fan. He cannot praise Bernardo Silva enough. The guy is absolutely in love with him. All City fans is drooling over this guy. And... I like listen. I am a Wolves fan, but I am also a Portugal uh, national team fan first. So I, I am. What's the difference, Matt? If you don't mind explaining it to me. What was that? 
What's the difference between Portugal and uh, Wolves, if you don't mind me asking? Because they're, they're basically one and oh, the other. So basically, Wolves is just uh, the training ground for Portugal for the Portuguese national team. Um, if you haven't um, noticed, obviously, Wolves is Portugal FC. Absolutely. In terms of uh, just everybody that they have. I mean, just go looking at top to bottom. Everybody is there, at, at, whether it's in their attacking, their midfield, their defense. There is multiple Portuguese uh, men rostered, and that's thanks to uh, Ronaldo's old manager, whose name is escaping me right now, Artie. I'm sure you have it on hand because you uh, were the book of knowledge. Which, uh, which man, for which team and which manager are you talking about? Are you talking about for United? Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about for um, the manager, like his personal like manager, the guy that uh, was managing. Oh, like, his uh, brand stuff. George Mendes? Yeah, George Mendes. George Mendes okay. is his, like, uh, funneling, man, yeah. funneling everybody. I mean... The second somebody emerges in a Liga Notion, Wolves is already starting to talk about being linked to them. It's gotten to that point. Uh, Wolf, because of Wolves, right, I feel like more teams are looking heavily into Portugal. You had them once Once Ronaldo came up and everybody was looking for the next uh, big striker. They were looking down there, but Wolves has really gotten teams to look at Liga Notion and be like, hey, there's quality talent all over the place. Leagues have always looked at the, at the, uh, the, uh, the Portuguese team, the Portuguese league as kind of like a breeding ground for the next talent. But now they're really starting to zone in on it. You see Jao Felix coming out of it. You, you see Ruben Neves and Diogo Jota came out of it before. And Ruben Diaz, the guy we were just talking about before. You know, so it, there's a plethora of talent. And there's not even Portuguese guys. There's Portuguese guys in there. Like, just because they're playing in the Portuguese league, there's talent that's not even Portuguese descent. They're just playing at the Benficas, like um, the kid uh, Darwin, the Uruguayan kid, who he's playing. He's gonna end up making a transfer out of Benfica because of how he's uh, playing right now. And like I said, being a Portuguese national team fan, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of the guys. Uh, Manchester City in Jao Cancelo in Bernardo Silva and Ruben Diaz they absolutely better bring it to the World Cup because we need it I, I think Bernardo Silva works best when he's got that creative freedom in the center to be a distributor we've seen him be used as a right wing in times and, and that's just not him he can do it but he's 100% at his best when you just let him uh, roam the middle go where he needs to go and, and just start fighting his guys so I, I'm really excited to uh, see those guys. I don't necessarily want to see City win because, quite frankly, I'm getting sick and, of hearing about it. Um, I would love to see somebody, you know, come up and start challenging them. It's just Liverpool can be those guys to do it. There's just still a discrepancy for me. But I am loving that the success is becoming because of Bernardo Silva. Okay, so then, Maz, I think it's time for us to say our top four. We have to look at this and say who's first, who's second, who's third, and who's fourth. Who is the top four for you? I mean, of course, starting with number one, I've just said it for the last five minutes, at least cities. It's cities league to lose, 100%. Um, I think Liverpool ends up in the um, second spot just because there's a big difference between how they're playing and Liverpool and Mohamed Salah is just knocking down obstacles left and right, arguably the best player in the league. Chelsea is just, you know, they're they're so much more ahead 
than the next couple of teams in that four, five, six, seven spot. But they're not quite at that Liverpool level in terms of consistency. And they have the injuries and COVID going on. So I see them staying right there at number three. And I think Tottenham, 100%, um, if they can catch that break, um, you know, hopefully, like, for them, the league uh, gets a little break. They can get some players back from COVID. They have that easiest schedule out of those teams that we mentioned. And the Tottenham Hotspurs will be chilling right in that fourth spot to round out the league's top four. All right. And, you know, I'm going to say my top four. All right. You want to know what my top four is? Uh, gee, let me guess. Does United make it? Manchester United. Manchester United. Man- nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. United top four. No, no, no. Okay, realistically, I think City's winning. Just because I worry that if injuries happen again for Liverpool, they struggle because I don't think they have as much depth as City. I think that Liverpool can have a starting, a better starting eleven at times, but I think City has the better squad overall. Like they have, they have a better set of players that with with including the bench and the reserves, right? And then Chelsea unfortunately finished third just because they, I think they missed out on having Lukaku starting off slow. Uh, the rest of the team just sort of trying to find their place. Everyone seeming like out of the sorts. And then fourth. 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 I know what you want, but tell us what you think. I know. I, uh, I don't want to betray my voice. Uh. You know what? Win, lose, or tie. Manchester United till I die. I'm putting United at fourth. I don't care. That's where they're going. Bias Listen, me I, kicked in. Bias me kicked in. I'm sorry, guys. My bias kicked in. I had to put it I, I could see it. I could see it. It's just it's going to be a challenge. Here's my question, though, right? And my final question for you. If they don't end up in that fourth spot, do you think Ronaldo bails and tries uh, some greener pastures, or you think he ro- rocks through? Depends on Champions League. If United gets in a like a like some sort of CDM in January and we do well in the Champions League, make it to that final, I think honestly we have two choices: we either go for top four or we go for Champions League final. Those are the only two choices United has right now. And what would you rather have? Would you rather the Champions League title or finishing the top four? Dude, we're too far off from being first, personally. Yep. Because let's say that we're at 18 and we say we win our next two games because, honestly, it's a crapshoot whenever we win, right? Um, If we get those six points, we're at 33 points. And if we're at 33, that is almost – that is fourth place, right? We're in fourth, a point ahead of Arsenal. But then that also depends on what Tottenham does too, right? They're still three games behind. And – it's it's a tough battle. That's why I, I feel like if we get this solid CDM in, we figure our stuff out for the Champions League, and that's where we invest most of our focus into. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I, I've been uh, in an ongoing argument with some buddies. Uh, to me, I just think I'm going to sound crazy right now, but I've been hitting hot takes all day. I'll leave you with this one. I, I, I value a Champions League trophy over a league trophy. Um, That's just me only because Champions League is the best of the best teams going at it, where your league trophy, it's basically you battling it out with normally the Premier League, best league in the world. You you have three to four teams, sometimes five, sneaking up into it. But most leagues, it's just basically top two teams, uh, maybe three, 
going at it. And for Champions League, you have the best talent in the world, the top clubs. It's a lot harder to me to win because you have the whole league schedule and your domestic league. You have the entire time to fix your mistakes. You have a bunch of games to get going. But Champions League, it's basically you got to be on point and short bursts, and it's a lot harder to do that especially when you're going up against the best teams in the entire world. So I, I would like to see United go all in and uh, hopefully um, get that uh, the ball moving in, in Champions League again. We know Ronaldo is the greatest player in the history of the tournament, and he's just phenomenal. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I got to be honest with you, Arnie, my last thing, if Ronaldo was not on United, I, would not pro- I probably would not be rooting you guys, but because he's there... You can just call me the bandwagon fan. For sure, for sure. Guys, thank you for watching. Uh, Like, subscribe, do whatever you like to do. Leave a comment. Tell us how great or how horrible we are. Whatever you feel is best. <laughs> um, But, oh, sneeze. Nope, I'm good. Alright, uh, let's wrap this up quickly. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Shout out to ITA Sports. Again, shout out to Barty's next week. Next week's episode is probably going to be in the newish studio or newest set, as I like to call it, uh, watching us, seeing how we're going to talk it out. And next week, we will be talking about how to fix Barcelona. Yes, that's right. I'm tackling that challenge. I'm putting my footballing brain to it and seeing how I can fix that mess. We'll be ready to strap in because that's going to be a rough one, man. I know. But um, I can't wait to hear it, Artie. You're doing a fantastic job right now. I appreciate you letting me come on here and... uh Give my takes. I know a couple people are going to be getting at at me. Uh, you can already go find the Twitter. Not dropping it again because I've already dropped it multiple times here. But Match Week Podcast, you know what to do. One of the best soccer podcasts in the game. Already keep up the good work. And thank everybody for supporting this. Keep showing the love. Hey guys, when this comes out, it's Christmas Day. So happy holidays. I hope none of you got cold. And if you got cold, it's probably because you're a City fan. Sorry to tell you. But we're out of here. Have a great time. I'll see you guys. I loved it, dude. I, 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 uh, I hope I uh, lived up to the expectations. Hey, to all Match Week official fans, viewers, listeners, and all of our wonderful family customers here at ITA Sports, Merry Christmas to everyone and their families. Hope you guys have a good one. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Match Week! Yes! Oh, come on, come on.